0: Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Allison Encero, Managing Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. Migraines plague some 35 million Americans, most of them women in their 30s and 40s, and disabling pain and symptoms are linked to lost productivity at work, school, and home. On this episode of Manage Carecast, we bring you an excerpt of an interview with Dr. Dina Kuruvilla, the medical director of the Westport Headache Institute. The interview is conducted by Matt Hoffman, managing editor of Neurology Live, another website in the MJH Life Sciences family of medical news. They discuss the obstacles patients with migraine face during the pandemic to getting necessary care the effect of worsening lifestyle changes over the past year and a half on patients with headaches, the difficulty in finding a clinician who knows about the latest migraine treatments, issues related to prior authorization, and more.
1: Obviously, you being a headache specialist here to talk about uh, some headache stuff, some migraine stuff. Uh, I'm curious, you know, AHS obviously has passed now. It was uh, in June, you know, so a month and a half ago, just about, uh, mm-hmm. which is cr- crazy to say at this point. But I'm curious, you know, for you, now that that meeting has kind of come and gone and some of the larger conversations were sort of able to kind of all happen with everybody together, uh, you know, virtually. What? Uh, how would you sort of describe the? What were really some of the the big trends that you're seeing in, in terms of the the patient care side of things, and, and actually, you know, the ability to deliver care to patients? What are what are some of the conversations that you've been having with with colleagues and peers?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, patients during the pandemic certainly. Lost some of their resources that their toolbox that they use for migraine prevention. And so we actually had a whole course. I was actually the course director for this. We had a whole course focused on a window into the life of a migraine patient during the pandemic. And I had some of my colleagues also comment on the physician or provider experience of providing medical care during the pandemic. Um, you know, uh, the the biggest thing i've heard from colleagues is that people with migraine have experienced a worsening in their migraine frequency and severity for so many different reasons. One of the big reasons is possibly missing their procedures, such as botulinum toxin A for the prevention of migraine. I've also heard from my colleagues that patients had delays in obtaining their medication. They've had delays in obtaining their refills because they couldn't see their provider on time. And so overall, based on their access to their 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 headache provider access to medications that was a whole side that was complicated during the pandemic another side of the coin that i heard about was the patient experience at home uh, a lot as you know a lot more people are using that the virtual option to work from home there they have more screen time taking less breaks and kind of working continuously their workday is kind of melding into their sleep and their, and their family time in the evenings, relaxation time and vice versa. And so stress levels are up for many people. So there's just a lot of those home components that have changed during the pandemic, too, that have also contributed to that, the worsening of migraine frequency and severity. So that core pre-course was very interesting. Um, I'm biased, of course. But um, it was interesting and um, there were several other really interesting presentations on pipeline treatments and new medications that have new indications. And it was really interesting to hear some of those talks virtually. You know, in-person conferences are definitely much better because we can actually talk to people face-to-face and exchange ideas. We also schedule lunch meetings and dinner meetings to exchange more extensive ideas. So virtual meetings do have that downfall where we don't get to mingle with as many people or talk for an extended period of time about how practice is going, how life is going, how patients are doing and all that good stuff.
1: I'm curious, you know, I know you and I have talked about, uh, sort of the challenges of just access to care, um, in the past. And, and, and I want to mm-hmm. get to a bit of that in a minute. I'm curious though, you know, that this, this sort of theme of the the pandemic sort of ripple effects on, you know, just disease kind of across the board and, and how patients are, are kind of having to deal with that, uh, mm-hmm. is just this sort of a really interesting conversation. And I'm curious, you know. Uh, it, it does seem like in recent years, a lot of research has focused on these sort of environmental things, these triggers mm-hmm. of migraine. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think just, you know, anecdotally based on your practice and interaction with patients that those sort of like the stressors and things you mentioned have kind of, there's been like an uptick in the past year or so because of this and just the, the mm-hmm. shift in how, how patients are kind of having to adjust to their daily lives?
2: Absolutely. There's definitely been lifestyle that has contributed to worsening frequency and severity for our migraine patients and then there's the medical care access point that's been an issue you know there are so many lifestyle issues that i that my patients have reported to me delayed caffeine in the mornings or drinking too much caffeine to stay focused on that computer work all day um using more alcohol So alcohol sales went up substantially. When I read the last statistic, it was in the hundreds range percentile wise um, over the last year. And so alcohol has been a contributor for many people for causing migraine attacks and also disrupting sleep. Um, Many people said that they're on their phone much more or on devices. And so that's really interfered with falling asleep and staying asleep um stress levels, depression with the social isolation, anxiety with not seeing loved ones and with being in fear of the of COVID. Um, all of these have been huge factors for our patients in reporting more worsening, a uh, more worsening uh, disease state.
1: And then obviously, you know, as you alluded to earlier, there were some sort of supply line issues and just challenges of actually getting, you know, to see your provider. Um, yes. Outside of those things, though, and hopefully, you know, we can turn a, a real corner and kind mm-hmm. of back to a more normal uh, just in general of, uh, with daily life. But I'm, I'm curious, outside of those, you know, the pandemic influenced factors, mm-hmm. what are some right. of the challenges that you see with your patients with access to therapy? I know, you know, because migraine, we've seen this huge sort of explosion in the past few years, all these new therapies, right. there's a number of new pathways that are being explored. Yes. But then, you know, when, when it comes down to brass tacks, actually getting the patients the, the treatments that, you know, they're, they're yes. challenging there. there's challenges there with prior authorizations and so on. So I'm curious for you, what are some of the sort of barriers and, and are there any resources available or sort of tips you can share about how to kind of try to overcome those things?
2: Absolutely. The two biggest barriers that I've observed in talking to my colleagues and talking to patients are number one, finding a physician or a provider who has the expertise in the, in, in headache disorders or in whatever condition specialty they're looking for. Um, having finding a provider who's educated in that field and able to offer these options to their patients is a huge barrier for patients. And the second kind of big barrier is working with insurance companies to get treatments approved. So with the first barrier kind of provider education and knowledge, even though we have so many new options for migraine prevention and acute treatment, the vast majority of general neurologists, primary care providers, Pain specialists, OBGYN physicians, they're not aware of these treatments and they're not really, uh, they don't really understand where to use it yeah. in their practice. Uh, many folks don't understand the need for a preventive treatment and an acute treatment for patients. Um, they don't know where these new medications may fit into their practice. That's a very common question that I receive. Um, and uh, many of Uh, general neurologists and primary care physicians have expressed to me that they're not interested in treating headache disorders. I think headache in general as a subspecialty at times has a stigma towards it, has a big stigma. And uh, there's this mindset out there that headache medicine is very difficult to do. Um, The patients may be very difficult to treat or have personality disorders. Um, You know, that is, these are things I've heard from my neurology colleagues. They're like, oh, you need to, you need to do this. We'll refer them to you and you take care of it. But we don't have the time to, you know, go through the details and, and the soup to nuts portion of treating a headache patient. So I think that that is a huge barrier for the 40 million people with migraine to obtain the optimal treatment that they need to reduce their disability
1: and really get back to their regular lives. Yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, because, you know, you mentioned the number, the 40 million, it's it, that the lack of interest in, in treating, it seems to be so high because, yeah. you know, it, we're talking about 40 million people. It's, it's almost kind of like forcing yeah. the hand, like the interest yes. is there, but these patients need the care. And I know... Yes. Um, uh, Brian Grossberg and a number of his colleagues recently did a study up in the New England area of mm-hmm. sort of the OB- OBGYN and and women's healthcare provider knowledge of of migraine just in general and sort of yes. similar type results. of so just yes. you know whether it's a just lower education level about what what these treatments mm-hmm. involve and the and the right. process. I'm curious for you. I mean, is there? I mean, I'm sure there's not an easy fix, but is there a solution to that issue? Because You know, I know we talk about sort of just in general, the shortage of physicians and then on top of that, the shortage of neurologists and migraine specialists aren't exactly, you know, a dime a dozen. Right. I mean, it's hard to come by them generally. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious for you, how do we sort of overcome that, that need to just, all right, we'll refer, we'll refer. Mm -hmm. And now you may have to drive 40, maybe 50 miles to the closest office. Obviously the hybrid model helps a bit, but for you, I mean, how, where does the buck start there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the first kind of key thing that we could do to help the shortage is get more physicians interested in treating headache medicine. Uh, headache medicine uh, is composed of neurologists, primary care providers, um ear, nose, and throat physicians, otolaryngologists. There are so many different family medicine physicians. There's so many different um, physicians who can become headache specialists. And so if we can increase that interest in people who are going into those fields, I think that's really the big way to do it. And I think the biggest way to tackle that might be uh, calling on the national societies who run the meetings for these different specialties to really make a focus on headache and really to, and really emphasize the burden of migraine and try to, you know, kind of try to target that population by, by a larger uh, society or a meeting or something to increase that interest. The second kind of way that I think that we could combat this is by increasing education among primary care providers at these national conferences, uh, doing more lectures and telling them I think all of these different physicians or providers. What are the benefits of treating migraine? What, you know, why sh- why should we care about this? Well, how can we simplify the vi- your visit with a migraine patient so it's not draining all your time? Providers are so busy. They're seeing so many patients a day. Sometimes they just don't have enough time to delve into all these different questions that need to be asked, but we could you know provide more education on key questions that can be asked to streamline that process. So I think definitely providing more education by speaking at national meetings, uh, doing webinars, webcasts, producing more research, you know those are definitely the key ways.
0: On behalf of all of us at AJMC.com, thanks for listening. To watch the full interview, including Dr. Villa's take on migraine therapies in the pipeline, see the link to Medical World News in the show notes. To read more about migraine, visit our migraine page on AJMC.com. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at ajmc_journal. underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.